Welcome everyone to Chilling with JR and Blair. We are back with a very special episode because, I mean, there was some pretty big news last night, JR. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. Did you, did you, when did you find out about this? Were you online last night? Uh, uh, I wasn't. We went out for supper and then we just, we came home, uh, kind of put our phones down. Like we were on them, but just, you know, just doing whatever, watching TV. And yep. then all of a sudden I went on Twitter. It was about 10 o'clock, I guess. And it was like, he's back. And I'm like, yeah, sure he is. You know, thinking it's like a fan video or something first. Right. Like, yeah. Tweeted out from the WWE Twitter account. And it's like, nope, CM Punk's back. And it's like, wow, what the fuck? I wasn't yeah. expecting that. I wasn't expecting it either. Although, you know, there had been rumblings about it for, well, weeks and weeks. Everybody had kind of, you know, looked at this November uh, Survivor Series date in Chicago pretty much since he got fired from AEW as, you know, if he was going to uh, return to the WWE, this would be the place that you did it. But I know Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful for the last few weeks has been saying, well, he was getting told what he was reporting anyway. He was getting told by higher ups in WWE to like essentially get the word out that he wasn't coming in as a means of uh, lessening expectations. But essentially, I guess, yeah, we we did bury the lead a little bit. CM Punk is back in WWE. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not talking about our truth. This is CM <laughs> yeah, Punk. yeah, that's right. So <laughs> I guess what, what we know so far, he signed a three-year deal with WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it was Dave Meltzer who said that the deal, they started talking about 10 days ago, mm-hmm. um, where the negotiations really started to ramp up. I know Sean Rossap uh, had again had previously reported that he was being told that it wasn't going to happen, but this is something that it came together pretty late in the game. Um, pardon the pun; that was terrible. Um, <laughs> and uh, the talent that were involved in the main event of the War Games match last night were told. I don't know if it was right before they came out, but I think at some point yesterday, we're recording this around noon on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They were told at some point yesterday that Punk was going to come out. The impression I got from reading, you know, what's being reported is that they were told pretty late um, and that Triple H and Nick Khan were two of a a very small group of people that even knew that this was going to be coming. Triple H had a a post-show press conference last night and was saying that um, there are people like higher ups in the new TKO company, which is the merged um, WWE and UFC that even there were some higher ups, I guess, board members or whoever that didn't even know that Punk was going to be back. So yeah. this really did take people by surprise. I know fans were running away with, you know, thinking that he was going to be back. Um, but at least what was being reported as recently as like yesterday before the show was that he wasn't going to be there. So this is a huge shock. This is huge news. I know we're an AEW focused uh, podcast, but this has some pretty huge implications for AEW, I think. So mm-hmm. um yeah, I think what, what we're just going to try to do here is do a shorter episode. Just it's so timely that we didn't want to wait until our December episode to talk about this. Um, so we'll just try to look at it from multiple angles, like what this might mean for WWE short term, long term business implications, um, kind of what it means from the AEW side um, and and, um, and some other things, too. So, yeah, um, w- like- where to begin? I mean, it was funny because I know I was reading one of the SRS reports yesterday when like, you know, haven't heard anything, probably not happening, but still 25% chance, like just keeping right. that little bit of like right. of hope open. And I, for one, did not think it was going to happen. I thought 
there's enough bad blood between the two sides that this is something was beyond repair. And I was colored surprised last night when it actually happened. I didn't expect it. And I'm curious to see how this is going to work out because I mean, what he was able to get away with in AEW, even when it comes to terms with promo time, uh, storylines, you know, like I don't think he's going to have that same sort of pull that he did in WWE uh, uh, that he did in AEW. I mean, um, I think it was Dave, um, Big Daddy Dave Meltzer was talking about like he was, you know, the big fish going into AEW where like, okay, for sure, this is the guy with the experience, you know, so he's going to call the shots a little bit, but like you're not going to pull back up to WWE and get that same treatment. So, I mean, right then and there, I think, hey, you're not going to come in and, you know, I can't see him coming in and just running the show the same way he did. There's oh, sh- be- sh- certainly not. No, there's going to be some change. And I mean, th- that really was evident with Collision. And I think, you know, what what I think part of, part of my shot comes from just, I had assumed, and this had been reported too, that CM Punk was very much open to going back there. My surprise was more from the WWE side in that I didn't really think that, you know, they're pretty red hot from a business standpoint. They're also heading, you know, they had sold like 17,000 tickets last night to Survivor Series with now maybe there were some people that bought tickets under the assumption or hope that CM Punk was there, but they, you know, they sold like 15,000 or even, or maybe a little bit less of these tickets. Like I think tickets went on sale for this while CM Punk was still in WWE. Like This has been on their calendar for a long time. They started selling tickets months ago. So my biggest shock was just like, I would figure not that I would, I completely ruled out him going back because I did think he would go back eventually. My surprise is that it was happening now at a time when WWE is as hot as they are from a business perspective. And that I would, I just kind of assumed that they would know that CM Punk would likely still be kind of lingering out there and they could use that as a card to play if business went down at some point that, well, let's just bring him in and we can at least on a short-term basis really um, ramp ramp up business for him if it was on the downside. So I now they're it's almost like they're just shoveling coal on something that's already red hot. And I think short-term having him there for the ramp up to Rumble season, WrestleMania season is going to be at least in the short term, going to do really big business for them. Long term, I mean, we know what it, you know what it's like to be in the CM Punk business. Obviously, we we know the history of how things went the last time he was in WWE. Yeah. Um, assigning him to a three year deal, I think, is just kind of funny. In on you know as a premise of like hoping that uh, it's going to be a nice and easy ride for those three years. But what what I think from their perspective, from a from a business side, is um and again we don't need to talk too much about the business stuff but um they have they just re-signed or uh, signed a new deal for smackdown for the usa network they're on fox right now for smackdown they got a 40 percent increase on that tv deal the big kind of remaining uh business negotiation for wwe is monday night raw which they have not signed a new deal with anyone yet and they're in open negotiations with multiple suitors and I think in the same way that Tony Khan tried to leverage CM Punk's star power to launch the Collision Show, um, and hoping that that would lead to well, it, it did lead to getting more money from Warner Brothers Discovery in the short term, but as part of maybe a longer term extension, I suspect that this is a, a move on WWE's part to all the potential suitors that there might be USA Network potentially to re-sign with them, you know, Amazon, Netflix, uh, whoever else might be involved. 
of like, we've got CM Punk now, look how strong our ratings are. Yeah. And as they're, you know, these negotiations are ongoing, whatever kind of bump they can, uh, Punk can give them business-wise is going to help with that negotiation. And so, you know, in a year from now, if things flame out, which there's probably a pretty good chance of that happening, <laughs> depending on, you know, how things play out, if they've already signed this, you know, Rocks, uh, Monday Night Raw extension with whomever, and Punk at least played a small role in helping get them whatever number they're hoping for, then it was worth it for them. Like the the fact that we're talking about, you know, he signed a three year contract, but like there's a solid chance that like with his track record, WrestleMania season comes around and he's still not even there just because of it being sure. CM Punk. And it's crazy to think that just because of the past few years with his history, because I mean, it's very easy for this guy to, you know, like some for something to turn him off with regards to wrestling. So that has to be in the back pocket for them. But overall like initially i mean you see just the reaction it's garnered from you know just the internet right now sure. you know cuz that's all twitter's talking about absolutely know, and pe- and from and from people who wouldn't ordinarily watch wwe like yeah. me you're right? you're talking like there's people talking about how like AEW's in the mud right now because of this and it's just like yo 8 days ago they just signed will osprey so i mean yes like, yeah okay this is a huge get for wwe but it's like it's not all like doom and gloom on the other side. Cause like the way things have been running with AEW right now that like, you know, the um, continental classic, the C2, like we're a weekend and things have been rolling along. We've had some great matches. Full gear was fantastic with swerve hangman a match of the year contender and some incredible matches besides that. So it's not like it's been just the drizzling shits over there. But it's like the initial first response is like, oh, they're fucked. And it's like, nah, they're not really. But like, I want to see what WWE is going to do now that they have CM Punk. Like, let's see. I think you initially have that Seth CM Punk Mm -hmm. storyline, which is what they seemed to build last night. Yep. Pardon me. So like, yeah, let's go into that. Let's see what they can do. Because I'm not going to tune in weekly, but like, I will definitely pay more attention to what's going on. Like you might see me watching the odd YouTube clip now. So that's right. more than I can say before. Uh, yeah. And I'm in the same boat. I, I've had that thought experiment with myself before of like, what would it take for WWE to turn me into a habitual television viewer? Like that regularly watches like multiple hours of their programming every week. And I, I really don't think that there's anything that they could do if they had signed the elite, you know, that uh, and brought them in and, much like bringing in punk, it's like it would have had my interest initially. There's just so much about the overall kind of glossy, cartoony, plastic, uh, whatever adjective you want to use, like presentation of WWE. That's just a big turnoff for me. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely gonna, you know, if especially if he's on at eight o'clock tomorrow night on Raw, top of the hour, then I'll tune in. Um, and if not, then I'll just catch the clip on social media or YouTube. So I'm definitely gonna be checking in what he's doing initially i usually watch royal rumble and wrestlemania anyway yeah. but um so I'll, I'll be checking out what he does there but i do think this is going to be a big kind of boost uh for them initially you mentioned seth rollins well wh- one of the things i'm interested in is what is you know what are the terms of the contract in terms of how often is he going to be there because i i would suggest that having him as a part-time guy is probably um the best role for a bunch of different reasons. And of course, you know, we, we can, and I've actually made a list of all the different ways that uh, CM Punk is a hypocrite and all the funny <laughs> kind of uh, 
implications of him going back, which I want to run through here um, in a few minutes. Um, of course, he pretty famously, you know, stuck it to the rock and, and others for being part timers while he was there grinding full time, um, you know, back in 2013 or whenever that was. But I think that that would be the best deal for him. One, it would keep him a- away from like talent that probably don't want him to be there. And I think there's a pretty long list uh, of talent that that probably applies to. But then it also keeps him special. And um, also doesn't burn him out in the same way that I think probably being, you know, a weekly character on collision this past summer, while all the other drama was kind of going on, I I think keeping him kind of as a part time player that maybe comes in for Rumble, WrestleMania, and then, you know, pick your handful of uh, pay-per-views around there is probably the best way to go. And if you look, I just made a quick list of some of the potential programs, it seems like Seth is probably one of those guys, uh, Mm -hmm. whether they do that at the Royal Rumble or, of course, with WrestleMania, they have two nights that they have to book. So you could do, you know, Punk and Seth for uh, the world title or whatever they're calling the world title that is on Raw. You could do that night one and then do Cody and Roman on night two. Um, You could do a Punk-Cody program, which was one of my dream matches that I was hoping they were eventually going to do in AEW that we just never got. But you could obviously do a program with Punk and Cody, Punk and Roman. Punk Sami Zayn, Punk Kevin Owens, Randy Orton. You could, if Cena, and he just had a couple surgeries, but if he's willing to wrestle again, that would be an interesting one to go back to. Lesnar, I think, is still there. Um, I would love to see Punk against Austin, uh, which is a dream match that Punk has wanted to do and that they've teased in the past. So if he is a part time player and things don't uh, blow up, then there is a pretty long list of guys that you know he could have big time programs with some that I'd be more interested in than others. Um, But again, I think he's kind of like the perfect guy to bring in in the same way that I think Cody did. You can look, make a pretty direct line of, you know, WWE signing Cody. And I think that brought in some eyeballs from like AEW fans that had been turned off from WWE and tuned into that WrestleMania with Cody. And some people stuck around. And and I think this is a a smart way um, to, to try to leverage CM Punk's star power and some people who are maybe disenfranchised with AEW right now, but are, are punk fans that are going to be checking out the WWE for the first time in a long time. And, you know, are they able to utilize this in a way where you come here for punk, but you see here's some of the other stuff that we're doing. And if this appeals for you and kind of get on, you know, this um, momentum that WWE has that I think it, it, it could be a way for, you know, WWE to get some fans back or some new fans that haven't checked them out in a while. Yeah. Like with WWE, like there is some good stuff there. It's just for me, I I pick and choose what I'm going to watch with them because there's a big, big part of it that I just have zero appeal to. And it lost me back, you know, in 2019 or 2018 when I would tune in to Monday Night Raw and I'm watching a half hour of it and then turning it off because I just can't handle it anymore. So they yeah. still have matches and things that, you know, like I will tune into, I, I will watch a Sami Zayn match. I'll watch Kevin Owens, you know, like there are guys that I love and support, but to, to do the weekly grind again is something that I just, I, I can't do it. Like they, they've no. lost me with that. And I don't know if there's anyone that can bring me back into watching Monday night raw full time. I don't have that time commitment for three hours on a Monday night when there's, I'm already doing dynamite. I'm doing other, you know, checking out independence, watching all this other stuff. It's like, yeah, oh, 
this is going to be one of those ones where it's like, if there's something that's hitting, I'll go in my way to check that out. But I can't sit there and watch, you know, Tazawa doing a ruffle shuffle or something <laughs> like that. Pardon. Yeah. I think one of the one interactions that will really intrigue me is the first time we see Punk and Paul Heyman. Oh, yeah. Together. I think that has a lot of a lot of potential, you know, like there that will that will draw me in. And it's something I don't think we see right away. But eventually, you know, like they'll have that interaction. It's like, OK, I'll watch that. But I hadn't even I hadn't even thought about that. But that's a great point. The the list of wrestlers like that you rattled off with potential matchups. It's like, yeah, we could get some really good programs, really good promos out of those and like that stuff. Like, OK, I'll, I'll see what uh, like, you know, I'll see what the big deal is all about. You know, I'll, I'll check it out. I will make sure that I go out of my way to watch, you know, like Punk and Cody Rhodes, because that has, that's something we've never really seen before, you know, not with mm-hmm. this dynamic, but with, oh, I, I had something that I was working towards and I totally lost my train of thought. Well, you, oh, you were talking oh, about Paul Heyman. Oh, uh, no, it's the part-timer. Um, yeah. I think that is the, the, like that you have to run with that. I think with collision in this past summer, one of the things that kind of, took away the specialness of punk was that you were seeing him every single week wrestling, you know, Oh, he's in a trip, uh, a trios match. Oh, he's in an eight man tag. And it's like, even to reel that in just a little bit so that when he does show up and wrestle, it's a big deal and not just in a multi-man match because like, yeah, okay. It's great. He's teaming with FTR and wrestler a against, you know, four guys, but it's like, do I really need to see this? I'd yeah. rather, you know, like, <laughs> put someone else in there and make that next appearance where he's at means so much more. I think it's so hard for anyone to be like a real big attraction. If you're there every week, like you just, you got to make people do. I was a huge fan of, of collision. We'll, we'll, we'll end up talking about this next month when we talk about our year end, like best of AEW stuff, our favorite matches and, and all that stuff. But I was, I was a big, big fan of his collision run. It never got to like the apex of what it could for, mm-hmm all the reasons that we know. And, and I think there was just, you know, I think we had talked about this um, in one of the previous times that we were previewing all in or whatever it was, but you know, the best punk stuff from collision was when he was cutting promos on people that he wasn't in programs with, which, whether it was like make line about the young bucks and his return promo or, you know, teasing the real world champion stuff with MJF. And it was like, man, if we could have got that stuff, um, you know, the sequel with MJF, you know, because that's one of the best programs AEW ever did. And I think the dream scenario for a lot of fans was getting a punk and FTR against the elite program too. And there were hints, you know, of it on television and and some of it maybe make believe in, in fans' minds. But I remember, you know, this past summer going to Forbidden Door and the Dynamite and Collision Tapings after too. And especially at Forbidden Door, you know, punk... Um, who did he work? Was it Kojima? Um, I think it was. Yeah, it was Kojima. Yeah. <clears throat> and even for him, that was like the first one of the first matches on the card. It was, you know, really just the appeal of that was that it was Punk's first pay-per-view match back. And just how hot, red hot the crowd was for him. Those that loved him, those who fucking hated him. And, you know, the the elite were kind of getting that too. And I just remember one of my first thoughts of coming home from that show was like, man, they have got something really, really special from a business perspective. If they could ever get these guys to agree to some kind of program and play off of the heat that they have, that everybody knows is genuine, and that the crowd had so just kind of uh, bought into, 
but alas, we know we don't we know that did not happen. Um, and I think that was, you know, I like the stuff he did with Ricky Starks and Samoa Joe, and um, we'll talk about that a little bit more next month. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just never got to that level. And so I'm interested in seeing now in the 20, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not going to be fully invested in it, but out of curiosity, when I do check it out, you know, what does CM Punk in a 2023 version of WWE that really doesn't have Vince McMahon in a creative capacity. And that is largely the people who watch WWE seem to really, really like it. Um, How does he fit into that environment? How does he fit into the locker room? Which is something I think we should talk about too. We've seen the Seth stuff that they did last night was, I think pretty clearly a work Dave Meltzer reported that it was. Um, So we, we did see some stuff. I don't know if it was on screen or if it was just fan camera, but like Michael Cole and Corey Graves and some of the other baby faces from the war games match were like holding Seth Rollins back under the pretense that he was legitimately pissed off that CM Punk was there playing off of some of the comments that uh, Seth Rollins has said publicly in the past that he's a cancer, that he doesn't want him there. Um, and then I think they did something backstage too. Sean Rassap tweeted something to the effect of like, you know, there was some kind of awkward interaction between Seth and CM Punk backstage um, that I think was just playing into that work as well. Yeah. But the other report that does seem like it's more legitimate is that Drew McIntyre left the building in a huff um, afterwards. And so, um, and I think it was Pro Wrestling Insider who said that it's at least part of it. It has to do with being upset that Punk was there, or at least in how that information was relayed to the talent. Um, so I just think it's inevitable that there there's going to be uh, some you know, acrimony in the locker room because of this, because there always has been with him. Um, and, and a lot of it, he brings it on to himself. And I think he just has, and probably, you know, some of it he doesn't, and it's just a mix of, you know, attitudes or whatever, but there is something about his personality that just attracts, um, you know, conflict. And I think it's, would be naive to think that, you know, as good as this, you know, feels like for WWE fans right now, and as interesting as it is for someone like me who just loves, the you know the transactions and the news and the gossip and all this stuff like this is you know i, I this is up your me- alley i know like i messaged you today about like doing the show and i'm just this is like this is the stuff that i love talking about the most like when we our first episode talking about will osprey free agency and you know sting's retirement and like these just big news items and kind of that you know have implications in so many ways like i just love talking about this stuff and thinking about you know all the possible fallout but you know so, so Drew McIntyre might, you know, is upset about this. Cody Rhodes talked a good game on the press conference last night, but I think it's silly to not think that one of the big reasons why he left um, AEW was because Punk had essentially taken, you know, a top spot in the company that partly through Cody's own booking of that stipulation about never challenging for the world title again. But you could tell, you know, at the end of Cody's run in AEW, Danielson and Punk and Adam Cole were, you know, Tony's new toys and you just look at that revolution card which is around the time that Cody jumped it was Hangman and Adam Cole in the main event Danielson and Moxley Punk and MJF and even Omega was injured at that time but the perception was like yeah they don't even need Cody and then he jumps and he goes to Wrestlemania and he's their biggest star within like a couple months and really showing them that you actually you kind of missed the boat here um and um anyway and I think that Cody kind of read you know, the writing on the wall and said, okay, well, if I'm not going to be one of the top guys here, then I have a chance to jump over and really make a splash. 
And um, so we'll see what the dynamic is between Punk and Cody too. I know Cody's obviously a, a total pro, yes. but um, you know, are there, is there a chance to put Punk in this locker room? We also, I know, I mean, it's been reported. Kevin Owens isn't a big fan of CM Punk either. That was is the there... one I, I, I knew yeah. that Owens wasn't a fan of him. And I mean, with his history with the Bucks, like makes sense, you know, because like, Exactly. They were all, I mean, they were the Mount Rushmore, so it's it's understandable. So we'll see. Is that, you know, is his presence there going to push some people maybe towards AEW? I mean, it, for the most part, and, and I know there's a, you know, there's been a lot of discussion already about the perception. You mentioned it already about what, what does this mean for AEW um, perception-wise, kind of from the fan base. And um, the reality is most of the talent has been one way. Like it's, you know, AW has signed way more talent, you know, than WWE has. The the big ones from W that have jumped from AEW to WWE are Cody and Punk, which are two huge names, mind you. Jade made the jump too. Brian Pillman, we can mention if we want to, but yeah, I put mean put some put some respect on <laughs> Alexis King's name. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned his new gimmick name. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't have been able to uh remember. But the reality, but you know, those are the big ones. And and I do think too and it's going to give us a lot of fodder to talk about in the podcast over you know the next um, several months and i had made mention of it during our our last show too that you know 2024 is going to be if you are like me and you love these transactions and you know having two big companies that are throwing money around to this talent we're going to see what is you know this is maybe you know a domino the start of you know, a bunch of other talent um, jumping across uh, Becky Lynch, who is, you know, if there is real life heat with Seth Rollins and CM Punk, well, we know Becky and Seth are married and she's going to be a, a pending free agent. And uh, I'm sure Tony Khan will have interest. Drew McIntyre's um, deal is up around WrestleMania. Dave Meltzer said mm -hmm. uh, today, um, Sheamus is another one. We, we don't, I don't really know too many big names on the AEW side, but presumably there's quite a few that whose contracts are going to come up. We know the elite are locked in. Osprey, obviously, Mox and Jericho are locked in long term. Um, I mean, Danielson is one that could easily jump over. Um, he could work part time in AEW just as easily as he could in in WWE. Um, e either way. So anyway, I, I just think that we're heading into you know WWE is going to do some serious you know business here in the coming months, which will be exciting for you know just to kind of observe, even if it's from afar, which is likely what it'll be. Uh, for me, but, you know, checking out some of the, some of the stuff anyway, and just seeing how, what is the landscape like? And, and, and I, I'm really interested in seeing what the potential response might be from AEW too, whether this is something that they directly um, address on the television or, or not. Like how would you, if you're sitting in Tony Khan's chair and you just see a guy who had in CM Punk who had, you know, a very public um, embarrassing breakup with you in terms of, you know, what this meant um, from a certainly big parts of the fan base from the percep uh, perception of the company. And you're sitting there and you just see CM Punk debut in front of 17,000 people in Chicago, big pay-per-view. Like, what are you thinking if you're Tony Khan? And, and what are you thinking in terms of sh what do I do here? It, what, what's my response? Is well, there one? The first thing I'm doing is sending FTR out there on Wednesday night and having them job out to whoever I want. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> like to me right now, I mean, they're in the midst of the continental classic. So if I'm Tony Khan, I'm thinking like, okay, well, yeah. Okay. He's over there that 
it is what it is. You can't change anything about that. But what we can do is show what AEW is. And that is, it is an alternative to WWE. So you have these Continental Classic matches. And I'm saying, like, to the six guys that are wrestling on Wednesday night, go out there and just have an absolute banger of a match. Put in that work rate and go with it. I'm feeling the rest of the card with matches that represent what AEW was before it started kind of pushing more into the sports entertainment aspect. And realistically, I'm minimizing as much of the, the MJF devil bullshit as I can for the next few weeks. Like, obviously it's still going to be there. You're going to be pushing MJF and Samoa Joe, but like I'm keeping that stuff away just for a bit. I want to show that AEW is the place where you come to see great wrestling, mm-hmm. some incredible wrestlers. You're going to see the guys that, you know, you're going to see the ones that really, I don't want to say love wrestling, but that are going to go out there every week, put on incredible matches for you and hope that you are wanting to be a part of that. So that's what I'm doing, like initially heading into it and hoping that like they can continue or not continue, start to distance themselves a little bit more from the path that they were venturing into. I think I think that's exactly I mean, I think that's what they should. That's just what they should be like, yeah. you know, that's what they should have been, you know, in, in whatever you want to say about the last however really long. You, I, I think a lot of the MJF stuff you can trace back to double or nothing like we talked about in, in the build to that pillars match that wasn't good at all um but i think we've seen definitely an increase in you know the silliness and sports entertainment kind of bullshit bad comedy stuff with mjf and adam cole and all that stuff and i'm with you like they have you know and and i i think i've maybe been more positive on AEW than others in part because i i see like this past week for example the continental uh classic stuff has been so good so far and it's just it's so simple Mm -hmm. um that's it's at the very heart of like and i I tweeted about this the other day i quote uh mark briscoe they did like a one minute promo they've been doing this great stuff on aw social media where most of the competitors in the continental classic they've just been doing these like quick one or two minute promos backstage win or loss to just kind of see you know get their quick reactions and mark briscoe just you know, cut a simple, basic pro wrestling promo. And, and I love Mark Briscoe so much. I think he's added a lot to their television. And it's a real shame that they weren't able, um, him and his brother weren't able to be a big part of AEW because yes. I think they'd be, they'd be over as huge, huge stars now if they um, had been. But like the Continental Classic is representative of everything that I was hoping AEW and that AEW for the most part has been since its inception, uh, inception which is just, pro wrestling matches with stakes from a hugely talented and deep roster, which if you can look at all the guys in the tournament, like they're all great um, um, to varying degrees and like, and that just cut those authentic kind of promos um, that they can. And that's what AEW is and and what it should be. Um, And I think that's what they need to lean the most into. And I've really liked what I've seen so far last night on collision. We also got what I thought was a great promo from Adam Copeland. They've now set up Adam Copeland for, and Christian cage in Montreal, which I think is a huge match and is going to sell the tickets. So most of what I, and again, I I can kind of easily hand wave some of the stuff that I don't like as much um, in part, because I can just look at my phone and get distracted and and can kind of whatever stuff I don't like, I can fast forward on the fight feed that I watch on or or whatever. But I really think, I, I think you really nailed it in terms of their, their reaction to this just needs to be leaning into 
this is what we are. This is what we've always have been. We were, we were the alternative wrestling company before punk um, jumped here. And, you know, we set the table for what punk, you know, added onto. And I think the heights of, you know, the, the very best of what AEW has been, has been, you know, punk was there for the height, yeah. but they were, they were the best wrestling company in the world before punk got there. They don't need them. They have a just ridiculously talented roster of guys as it is. Um, and I think they should, they should lean into that. Now I will say to give our buddy, Mike, um, King Kong Fundy on uh, Twitter, some credit, he tweeted out an awesome idea today. Um, uh, now I, I don't have the tweet in front of me, so I'm just, this is from my memory, but I, I, um, before you go into it, I hope it is something yeah. about punk adopting the torture rack as a finisher. <laughs> it's not, uh, <laughs> He, he, yeah. So he wants Wardlow to uh, just steal everything from Lex Luger, um, including the torture rack. And that if Wardlow was just uh, 1995 and 1996 Lex Luger, then Wardlow would be more over. That's one of Mike's uh, biggest uh, talking points. I, I but it's, believe it. Yes, uh, he's right about that, as he is about uh, almost everything, um, including that the rankings should have never gone away. Um, but uh, that's like, I mean, how much do are we, are we going to put him over in this episode? I, I do have to finish my initial thought, which is that. Um, his idea was just having, you know, Hangman give him a microphone. We we haven't seen a follow up from him from the um, Texas Death Match with uh, Swerve at Full Gear. But to me, I, I and I what I agree with him. I you know I'm I'm with him on this. I'm with you and that you know you just lean into what you do best. But I do think in a way that you know what I love about Wrestling Wars and and even got me to love AW from the beginning was when you take shots at the other side. And I love Cody taking the sledgehammer and hitting Triple H's thrown at double or nothing. Like I, I fucking pop big for that. Um, I, I, I love that. that. Yeah. Like I, I love that shit. Um, like go for it. And so anyway, his idea is, you know, let hangman go out there and whether it's in a direct way or more of a veiled way of saying, you know, punk has taken a lot of shots at hangman and hangman has really never responded, but saying something to the effect of like, you know, CM punk just jump back to WWE because, you know, he was scared uh, of me and facing, you know, me um, or what, you know, however you're going to do it. Punk has actually publicly talked about how he was scared of Hangman shooting on him in that double or nothing match. Um, I, I, so th you I think I have the the tweet here. It said, read it when Punk in this is from good friend Mike King Kong Fundy on Twitter. When Punk inevitably cuts a promo about still being the real champion of another company because he never lost, Hanger can talk about how Punk was on the record scared of him in the ring, and the only reason he never lost is because he couldn't stay healthy long enough. Nice. Anyway. Take like take shots at him. He's on the other side now. Yeah. Um, and now I, I do think there was some kind of like agreement signed between Punk and you know the Bucks and whatever that they wouldn't talk publicly about each other. I don't know if, I mean, from a legal perspective, I don't know if that's still binding because, you know, Punk is gone from the company. So I don't know if it had to do with while you were still employed by them or not, but there's nothing like that with Hangman. And I think for a guy that, you know, is coming off such a hot match at full gear, who also, we don't know what it seems like has an open opportunity from a creative standpoint of like putting some fire under Hangman again. Everyone is, I think, going to be anticipating some kind of response in some way um whether it's from you know eddie kingston who you just know is the kind of that authentic guy that isn't willing or is always willing to kind of say something um with an edge to it or i would prefer hangman and just really getting him going again and that might be a way to do it there are also some rumblings about a potential heel stable with 
the Young Bucks and Colt Cabana and Brandon Cutler. Um, the Buck, the Buck Camp, which seems to be a play off of uh, the Punk Camp, uh, always leaking stuff to uh, the dirt sheets. And so I know I had I had messaged you the other day about I wonder if you could have Dolph Ziggler as kind of you know move the Bucks away from Kenny and Hangman and maybe have them together with like Dolph Ziggler and you could play off of Ryan Nemeth had the softest man alive tweet in response to uh, Punk's promo, so that maybe there's a way to get him in there or um jungle jack uh perry team him up with the bucks their buddies and you can really just kind of lean into we're heels you know we're you know you can give us the heat if you want to like blaming us for punk not being here so i think there's some potentially creative ways for aw like 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 you said originally like really lean into what you do best but i think there are some ways on screen to really you know take some shots at this and try to take back you know, their perception of being the alternative and cooler company, which I do think that they have lost to some extent over the last, you know, however many months you want to kind of pinpoint that down. Like, I definitely do think at some point something will need to be said, whether it's by Hangman or whoever, like take that shot. But I think for the first few weeks, you don't say anything, you know, like the, it's like that adjective, like when someone's, you know, like, you know, talking bullshit, you just ignore them. You just ignore this to start. And you save it for when you can really deliver a shot, and that's when you take it. But just to go out there and make a comment right now, it's like, eh, you're doing that only because he showed up. Let things percolate a little bit, and then you have Hanger go out there and drop a bomb like that, and you'll have the entire internet talking again. And I mean... Coming off of uh, full gear, the match Hangman and Swerve had was fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And I think that would be, you know, I have my thoughts of where Hangman's going next coming out of that match. But I think you queue it up with something like that and it'll elevate him and that feud afterwards. I think Punk, uh, the the, the one other thing that we do know, Punk is going to be on Raw on on Monday. That's being reported by a couple of different outlets that it's, it's expected that he'll... Um, appear on raw i assume it'll be with a mic in hand so i think part of you know if he takes a shot at whomever or whatever in the promo on monday to me you got to shoot back Mm -hmm. just that's kind of my natural instinct as like if i were in their shoes i'd be like well fuck this guy i'm gonna say something too or you know like and again as a fan removed from it I, I just, I, part of, I love the pettiness of like the Monday night wars. Like that was, I just got a kick out of the shots back and forth and you don't, what you need to be cautious of is not in a way that's going to like, and I think part of the issue with WCW is that they were so motivated by, you know, beating WWE and the ratings every single week and thinking about what are all these things that we can hot shot as a means of, you know, taking shots at them. And of course you don't want to do that because you, you got to take care of your own business mm-hmm. first. And that's the most important thing. Um, but I do think that, you know, I think if you want to stay uh, relevant and cool, you've, you've got guys there that can cut those promos and um, can take some shots at the other side and, and try to win, you know, for whatever it's worth. And maybe it's not a lot, but whatever kind of perception hit you might be taking by, you know, having, you know, Punk um, leave AEW, even though he was fired. Um, but leave and go to a company that is seemingly and is hotter than AEW is from a business perspective at, at this point anyway. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, I would expect just as much if that actually happens Monday. 
but then like part of me is hoping that when punk comes out it's reminiscent of like that jericho return like years back where he would just show up soak in the adoration and then oh yeah <laughs> yeah oh word. yeah i forgot about that <laughs> so you never know but i'm fully expecting a promo from punk I would not be surprised if there is a thinly veiled shot in there at some point, but I also think that part of me thinks that WWE will want him to try to keep it more on the straight and narrow and not venture too much into even like talking about them. Like perhaps more, so, but then at the same point, I could also see them trotting him out there and being like, go have fun. But yeah. I think, you know, if you're, if you're bringing in punk, you know what you're getting. Right. Yeah. So I think there's some level of like you, you want that. I mean, you, you're going to, if the program is with Seth, you want, you know, 95% of the focus of the promo to be on setting that up or whatever. But part of the package and part of the appeal of having CM Punk is that, you know, he's going to be making these offhand comments that feel like, are they shoot? Are they work? Like that's kind of the whole thing with him. Yes. And so I, I'm expecting we'll get something. What well, you know, um, and that's part of, I think the, you know, the attraction of seeing his promo of like, I'm most interested, frankly, um, as someone who's not even, if it, if, if he does a program with Seth Rollins, I don't even really like care about that really. Um, my interest in it is, you know, what's he going to say about Tony Khan or what's he going to say about the young bucks or Hangman? Um, and if he does say something, like I said, I think there should be a, a, a shot fired from the other side. Um, I will just say last kind of thing. I, I made some notes of some things I just wanted to bring up. I had mentioned the hypocrisies before. Yes. And remember last, uh, I guess, it, was it last week or a couple of weeks ago when we had the first episode? You know, I had made mention of, you know, the things that I think are pro wrestling and the best pro wrestlers are the ones that make you think that they're authentic. And I, I had a, a list of guys that I mentioned, you know, like, traditionally like Eddie Mick Kingston. Foley, Eddie Kingston is yeah. like I think the best modern example of it, but like Danielson has it too. Moxley has it too. Mark Briscoe has it to an extent, you know, um, Bret Hart even had, it, even though he wasn't like a, a traditionally you would think great promo, but he felt very authentically what you were getting was like this good old Canadian boy from Calgary and what he was saying, he meant it. And Mick Foley, Terry Funk, Dusty Rhodes, like all of them all different, but you felt like what they were giving you was in, in a phony business you felt like they were authentic and that they were telling you the truth. And I think CM Punk belongs in that group. And I think part of why this is so shocking to some fans um, is that he cultivated a fan base that like believed everything that he said. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when he's, you know, made the, and I tweeted it last night, a bunch of people did, it wasn't original or whatever. I mean, I hadn't seen it before I tweeted it. So I was the first person to tweet it. <laughs> um, but, you know, his response to to Miz about, okay, well, enjoy your um, Saudi Arabia blood money. Yes. And now, of course, you know, the funniest outcome is CM Punk being on a Saudi Arabia show. And of course he had the lawsuit with Dr. Mon. And um, I think his initial fallout with Colt Cabana was that Colt Cabana had visited a friend backstage at Monday Night Raw. And that was like the start of the disillusion of their friendship was that Punk, you know, uh, resented um, Colt Cabana for that and everything that he's ever said about Vince McMahon and Triple H. And it's like, I think some of his fan base is like, oh man, like, I can't believe that he would go back after he said that thing. And I think it comes from, you know, Punk has this veneer of authenticity to him. And now that he's, you know, going back on some of these things, I think a big part of his fan base anyway is, is disappointed in it. 
Um, at least, you know, kind of some of the ones that I follow on the timeline and kind of think about things the way that I do. I don't hold that against him personally. Like I mentioned last week that, you know, when we were talking about Ric Flair, that like, you know, having wrestlers as, you know, you know, wrestlers are going to disappoint you in the same way that actors or athletes will, if you kind of think about them in any way beyond like you're here for my entertainment and I really love what you do in the ring and your promos and everything. And I, I, I try not to make the mistake of like building them up as real life heroes or like things like that, just cause you know, I, you never know what these people are actually like in real life. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really hold them to that standard. Um, but I do think that ultimately this is uh, for CM Punk. I think this is fueled by money, obviously, you know, recouping some of the money that millions of dollars that he lost by getting fired with cause and he's doing it out of spite mm-hmm. um, because you want, I'm sure this is his wanting to have a big fuck you to AW and the elite and Tony Khan. And I think too, probably wanting to change, you know, what he doesn't want his final image. I imagine to be that run for as you know high as uh, as the highs were including what i thought was a really good match with samoa joe at all in yeah but i don't think that match is what people are remembering from AEW's uh, or from his you know end of his run in AEW. they're thinking about all you know the backstage mess and all that stuff and so you know this is a guy who is willing to out of spite and money and whatever others is motivating him is is going back on a lot of shit that he talked about wwe and um man that's what that's what makes this business so interesting i think as a fan to follow it and and all of this kind of backstage goings on and how is this going to play out like this is all so fascinating to me and um we're he's see even though again we're an AEW podcast but i think you know we're going to have a ton of you know uh different branches of yeah. the cm punk world to be talking about over the next uh, several months as we see how this plays out for both wwe uh, and AEW. Yeah, like you had mentioned, you know, like he had made those comments before, you know, that was almost 10 years ago, I think, some of the stuff he had said. So, like, lots has happened. He wants to go back there. Go for it, you know. Who am I to say anything, you know? Like, if that's your thing, why not, you know? But I will very much laugh at anyone who, like, digs up a tweet or a comment about something he said and been like, huh, remember this? Because... To me, it's funny, you know, like someone made yeah. a comment about like, he just wanted to like go with that same trajectory of Bret Hart, you know, like coming. Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, why not? I'll laugh. At yeah. That. It's, it's, he's such a Bret Hart mark that he's even following the path of going back uh, to the company that he hated more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's true. The symmetries are pretty funny for mm-hmm. someone who loves Bret Hart as much as punk does. FTR is just sad right now. Oh, my gosh. They're, they're heartbroken. Poor guys. Um, okay, this was a special episode. We, I, I'm sure that we there will be more of these as you know the wrestling world. You know they drop little bits like this. You know, like, yeah. And then so, we got to talk about it. We got yeah. to. Sometimes you can't wait a month to talk about big news like this. Exactly. So I mean, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. We had a blast talking about it. I, I'm glad that we uh, were able to uh, come together on this Sunday to talk about it. Um, before we uh, get going, where can uh, everybody find you up on the uh, the old Twitter machine? Well, I'm at at Jay's Retro on Twitter. Uh, I do have a private account, but if you can find it somehow, then I will um i will accept your request if um you uh, also follow blair now i will last thing that we should we should you should uh i can never remember what it is what's our email address because oh. when we when we finished episode one 
we said our dream scenario was um, getting an email that we could answer on uh, the next episode. And I think uh, one of my favorite Twitter followers, um, Madawesome, Danny, my guy, one of my biggest supporters, I think he said he was going to uh, email in a question. So our email for any questions, comments, concerns is chillingwithjrandblair at gmail.com. So okay. sh- shoot us a question. Let us know your, your thoughts because we'll, we might even do a mailbag next week or next yeah. month. You know, we'll see yeah. if we get a question or two. That's right. So, yeah, please. Our What we ended episode one was saying, please, your Christmas present to us would be sending us an email that we can answer um, in the December episode, which we will probably be recording around. Christmas time, World's End is December 30th, so we'll want to be able to preview that in a timely way and talk about whatever other news has come up. So that's when I I suspect you'll be hearing from us next is around the holiday time, previewing the last pay-per-view of the year for AEW and talking about whatever else crazy stuff has happened in this crazy world of professional wrestling that we love as much as we do. So definitely watch for us uh, coming up in a few short weeks with uh, December rolling around. Follow JR up on Twitter. You can find me at Green Maker Pod. And uh, thanks again for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you guys in a few weeks.